this podcast might have bad words because my daddy says words like s*** and other bad words too much. Listener description is advice. Hello and welcome to the Detox Podcast, the podcast for dads, where dads talk about life, kids, and stuff. We are your hosts. Galan. John. Very confused, Joe. Psych! John is here. Yeah, that's right. And Galan, Galan uh, he jumped in there and pirated the intro for me, and that's all right. You know what, though? Uh, that's basically all I'm here for. Yeah. So I guess I'm going to I realize that it's like people probably, uh, when I do the podcast and I do the intro, and people probably just tune out, they're like, oh, this guy's doing it. That means that one or, the, one or both of the other hosts aren't there. But no, nah, don't, do not no, tune no, out because listen, no, no one listens to more than one episode of our show. No, that's true. But this is a really great episode because we have part two of the Shepherd with Roberto Molinari. That's right. Uh, the the son half of the duo that wrote the Shepherd Shepherd graphic novel. Yep, it's really awesome. It was really cool to to hear his perspective of pushing his dad to do this, um, his experience working with his dad on it, and kind of like the ambitions that he has. Yeah, that's right, and his very imminent future role with the Shepherd, which is yep. is cool. He gets into that talking about it. So uh, we really enjoyed talking to Andrea last week. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to what his dad had to say about how the Shepherd came to be and what it's been like uh, creating it and then promoting it. Uh, it was really fascinating, and this week was very interesting as well to get uh, now Roberto's perspective on it, like you said. And actually, as, as a dad podcast, we are featuring kind of our first segment with a non-dad, so right. a child. Child. That's right. uh, so it's kind of interesting. Ooh, we, historic segment. Yeah, it's a historic. Here. But, but we, we thought it was appropriate because it's at the comic. Right. Um, you know, the, the Fan Expo. It's a comic artist. He worked with his dad. Yeah, um, so a actually, very interesting perspective. Yep, and it's going to be a little bit shorter right. um, because we, we, you know, we didn't really have parenting angle questions to ask. But as a substitute for that, we have a hashtag Johnservation. That's right. Where it's John <laughs> makes parenting observations out in the wild and then brings it to us to question complain comment yep whatever observe and then we we comment back on that so that will be after uh roberto as part of the closing segment so be sure to stick around for that in the meantime we'll be back in just a moment with roberto molinari in his side of the shepherd We are back at Dallas Fan Expo, and we just got done talking to Andrea Molinari, and now we've got Roberto, his son, here to talk about The Shepherd. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. And uh, so we just got done talking to your dad about the origin of The Shepherd, how it got started, and kind of his whole nightmare and experience with pushing uh, pushing that through Caliber. And so what we want to talk to you about is your perspective working, working with your dad. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? What has that been like, kind of working with your dad on this project? So, dad and I have always been really close. Like, there are a lot of, like, uh, you know, parent, um, you know, child relationships that are kind of, like, more distant or whatever. Right. But we've always been really close. Like, you know, he was my little league coach for a long time. Um, and this just kind of brought us closer. Um, right. So, we've been, you know, partners basically from the start. Um, I guess he already talked to you about how, 
you know, I kind of pushed him a lot right. and how at the very beginning it kind of, uh, kind of scared him. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, how, how did it, what was that like? Because initially when he came to you, he wasn't saying like, hey, I had this scary idea that we should turn into a story, right? Right. Yeah, well, he thought I was getting, he thought that it might have been a premonition or something like that and that I was going to die, um, which is why he talked to me about it. But obviously, like, I had, at the time, absolutely zero interest. I mean, still, I, I say at the time. <laughs> I, still have, I still have no interest in hard drugs. Um, never been, ha- never had a meth temptation. Yeah, never had a meth temptation. <laughs> so it was kind of, to me, it was like, yeah, this is so outlandish that, like, the concept of it from the start was never threatening to me. And I was like, this, however, I like the story. We should do something with this. Um, <laughs> what was his initial reaction to you saying that? He dead... I don't know, like, he, uh, at the time he had done, I want to say it's like five books, because most of them, four of them were basically research books, so that's the kind of thing that only, like, PhDs, master students, people like that were going to read. And then he uh, wrote one that was an illustrated graphic novel on uh, Perpetual and Felicitous, and I had read that from, I guess I must have been like 10, 11 the first time I read it, and I loved it. Right. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, <laughs> a little bit light reading. The other ones uh, I haven't touched because you know they're just research books. But the the uh, illustrated novel that he did, uh, you know, I've I've always loved reading novels, and I thought it was great. Uh, and I also wrote, um, sorry, wrote read a piece that he had done written in high school that was set in World War II, and I thought that was really good too. I could have been, you know, um, cleaned up and stuff like that. But the uh, the natural talent was always there with him, and I always believed in him. Um, so. You know, I like we always joke about how being interested in writing is a terrible, terrible thing just because like it's not <laughs> financially lucrative unless you blow up. Right. But both of us had always liked writing and I saw the potential right away. And I've always, you know, like I said, I always believed in my dad. I thought we could do it. Yeah. And we've done it so far. That's really awesome. What has it been like working for an independent publishing company like Caliber Comics? Okay. So dad is... Dad is more involved with Caliber directly than I am. Uh, I talk to a lot of the other authors and stuff. Like, we've been at cons with them and stuff like that. And I've talked to, like, you know, I talked to Gary before he died. Um, and I don't talk, like, I haven't talked to the head Gary, publishing. Gary, the Gary, owner of, yes, of Gary Caliber. Reed. Would, yeah. um, but I would say that with a independent publishing company, what you need to go into, like, expectations-wise, is that you are going to be pushing a lot of your own stuff. They do some of that for you, and we've got guys out in Hollywood that are kind of like trying to, you know, sell our titles and stuff like that. But you really need to go into it proactively. Like, you need to expect that you are going to be the driving force behind your book. Um, There's always the chance that somebody's going to come by, pick it up, and be like, oh, hey, I'm a Hollywood producer. I love your stuff. I'd love to make a movie out of this. But realistically, you're going to have to be going to, you know, cons. You've got to be talking to people about it. Like, we've been on you know, a bunch of different podcasts, uh, stuff like that. And really, you need to be the one pushing and advertising and talking about it. So uh, we talked about, or, you you know, your dad talked to us about how you were taking um, a more lead role, uh, jumping in the driver's seat to write write the third chapter of the story. So what what was your process for the the first two chapters, the one that's out, the one that's about to come out this summer, and, and how has how is that shifting moving into the third chapter of okay. the Shepherd? So basically, uh, it's actually kind of funny because like my dad and I have a, actually a really long tradition of this stuff because when he was writing uh, Climbing the Dragon's Ladder, which is the one that I referenced earlier, the Perpetual and Felicitous illustrated novel, 
Um, I was there popping in from time to time, you know, talking with him about it. He would bounce ideas off me and then I would suggest things. Like there's a thing that even now I still think is funny and it's been like almost maybe 10 or 10 years or more. Um, where at the martyrdom scene where these guys are, uh, where the Christians are being basically, you know, attacked by animals in the arena, I suggested to dad, Hey, make that character bite that bear's ear off. And like, you know, the guy's getting mauled while he's held to a, um, held to a post. And my dad was like, you know what? I like the idea. We're going to do that. Uh, but going into the first shepherd, uh, apocatastasis, I was like a parrot on the shoulder. I was an editor. I did some pages here and there, um, and then we go into the path of souls and I would become a much more uh, bigger, uh, like a bigger influence on it. Like when you guys get to issue four and you see basically Will Brannigan's part of the story, that is 100% me. Like dad, you know, edited uh, for me, but that is really the first solo project that I've ever had um, published, I would say, is the best way that I could describe that particular issue. And then... When we come into, because um, you've got apocatastasis, which is number one, the path of souls, which is number two, and then the third is going to be called the tether. And that one I have taken, you know, the helm on. I've actually just finished the fourth major edit for it. Um, you know, I wrote it from scratch, all that stuff. Uh, and it will be, you know, basically my first, my baby being thrown out there. That's really cool. So is it, has writing been something you've always been drawn to from an early age? Or is it something you just kind of found out like, oh, I like this. I want to look more into it. Well, I liked, I always liked telling stories from a young age. Sure. And then writing is just a great way to do it. Like I remember um, back in elementary school, I don't remember what grade it was. We were doing this thing where we would present to the class. And instead of being interested in showing objects or stuff like that, I like to write stories. Right. And I would bring those stories to class and I would present them to the class. And they'd, they'd been really popular, you know, with the elementary kids. So even from that time, I knew that I liked telling stories and I liked, you know, seeing people's reactions and talking to them about it. That's really cool. I like that. And uh, so I know your dad talked about there's potentially, what, five arcs for the, for the shepherd? So right now there are, there's the first one that's out. There's the second one that's going to be published in about a month and a half. Right. There's the third one, which I just finished basically writing the script for. Okay. Uh, there's the Burning Maid, which is basically one that Dad has just kind of started getting the ball rolling on. Right. Uh, and the Burning Maid is basically looking into the tragedy surrounding Joan of Arc's death. Right. Like, I don't know if you guys know a whole lot about her, but she yep. basically got totally, absolutely lambasted. Yeah. Like, the fact that what happened to her did... And that it got treated the way it did by the authorities at the time and even the church itself for a long time. Right. It's an absolute tragedy. So we are kind of like looking into Joan's story. And then there's going to be a kid's arc that we're doing called the Valentine, which will involve the living family members uh, of the shepherd and kind of like how they exist in there. That's really cool. I like the kind of check in with the living people. Now, I know your dad had talked about on the second arc, I want to say, where you've got four... Uh, was it four fallen soldiers? Yes. And then their specific perspectives. And then what was that like kind of draw or writing different soldiers' perspectives? Um, kind of did you do a lot of research into them and like how they would talk and how they would interact? What was that whole process like? Yeah. So basically the one that I uh, kind of chose was Will Brannigan. And he is the guy from who died in 1862 uh, at Fredericksburg. He was part of the 13th Mississippi. Um, and at the time I had read, 
I'm like blanking on the name of the book right now, but I read this book that kind of followed um, the 13th Mississippi from start. I think it was like the bloody 13th or something like okay. that name of the book. Um, but I read that stuff. I read some letters, um, you know, that people had sent home, like, uh, you know, that Confederate soldiers had sent home during the time right. to kind of get a feel for how these guys talked and thought. Um, but in terms of like writing an individual short story, I had, had like a pretty good experience of doing short stories in college. Okay. So that part in terms of like wrapping up will in, you know, like, I think it was like a 24, 25 page, um, issue. Sure. Wasn't like something that I didn't have experience with. So okay. like, that part was, you know, pretty manageable. Sure. That's really cool. I like, I just like that when he was talking to your dad was specifically mentioning that like you guys have different artists and illustrators for each different soldier and their perspective. Yeah. Um, the way that we describe it is that these guys look at, they see the scene, they see the afterlife through the lens of their time. Right. So I'm sure that he probably already talked about that. You've got, you know, Wills from the civil war. Right. You've got Roberts who died in 2000 floor. He was a U.S. Marine. Right. You've got Sandakwa Wendat, but they see each other and they see their surroundings through the lens of their time. So like, you know, um, Sandakwa is a great example of this. Sandakwa right. had, you know, other soldiers fighting with him, and he would have seen those guys as being other Wendats. Okay. But then when he sees the shepherd come into, uh, into play, he sees him as being like a French fur trader. Okay. So contextually, it makes sense that Sandakwa would see him like that, right. whereas Henri, the Frenchman, would see uh, the shepherd showing up as another guy in Napoleon's army. Okay. So they see each other through the lens of their time, but it sometimes slips. Like where the, it's almost like a contact lens if you've ever worn it, where at the edge of where your contact kind of like if you look to the side too fast or if you jerk your eye or whatever, there's just a second there where your contact is still sliding into place and something doesn't seem right in your mm. vision. And that's kind of what's going on with these guys sure. in the afterlife. That's very cool. That's very cool. I like it. I like the just the whole idea of the shepherd that was really just fascinating to me. I'm a big fan of Constantine and that whole uh, genre. So it's really, it's very cool. So, uh, yeah, I'm just curious. Uh, just a, a couple of questions. One, what's the best part about collaborating on this with your dad? I mean, it's, it's hard to say. Cause like, it's fulfilling. Like I view this as really like, it doesn't need to get big. Like obviously it'd be really cool if it did, but it's, pursuing a passion um like i you know i love doing the writing stuff uh i guess that you know considering that i plan to do you know other solo projects it's not just about the writing itself but the coolest thing about doing the shepherd specifically is the fact that i get to do it with dad and it's such a you know it's a great way for us to bond and hang out so it like you know really feels like we are you know taking advantage of the time that we have together so follow-up question what's been the most challenging thing um about working with your dad on this so the most challenging thing starting out was the fact that my dad kind of, you know, suffered from a lot of self-doubt. Like I talked about how I always saw the potential right away. Um, and it was kind of like trying to get him to recognize, you know, his own talent and yeah. kind of like make that happen. Um, there's also the difficulties that came with finding a publisher. So like a lot of it was really getting in. Like now, the most difficult thing that we have to deal with is basically the fact that some cons we don't sell a lot, which just happens. Like, you know, sometimes you go to a place and it's not a heavy selling con. It just happens. 
Um, but starting out, there were a lot of different uh, different things that got thrown at us. So that is when I would say, like, if you are like a listener and you're thinking about getting into, you know, this kind of thing, understand that the hardest part is going to be at the very beginning, getting yourself established. Right on. So you, you mentioned wanting to work on some solo projects later yeah. on. And obviously you guys have some some more work on uh, the shepherd on on your schedule. But uh, yeah, what's so so what is in the future for you, both solo work and also would you consider a n- collaborating on another project with your father beyond the, the shepherd? So dad and I will probably like we've already talked about this and we'll probably be working on the shepherd until we're both dead. <laughs> um, like. It's, you know, it's something that we both enjoy doing it together. Like, I don't, I actually don't like the idea of collaborating with other authors just because I don't like giving up the kind of like creative control. Sure. Um, it's actually why I kind of stopped reading stuff like Marvel and DC because they do so many retcons. There's so many different ideas about what right. the character should be. Sure. I absolutely hate that. But dad and I have a pretty much shared vision with this stuff. So it's not really hard at all for us to continue working on this. So we'll be working on this for, you know, until I'm dead. Uh, if I have, you know, God, right, yeah, right. God forbid, <laughs> God forbid I have a child who wants to become a writer and takes an interest. But if that should happen, you know, they'd be allowed to pursue the project as well. Yeah. Um, Very cool. So we'll always be working on this one together. But the solo project that I'm planning on going into is I've always had an interest in D&D and the fantasy realms. And I'm uh, basically in the process of building my own realm from scratch and I will be doing a series of adventure novels in that. That's very cool. That's something to look forward to. Uh, thank you so much, Roberto. Where can people find you if they are wanting to follow you, follow what you're up to? Okay. Uh, basically, I would say you can find our uh, Shepherd Facebook, Okay. and I operate through that for now. Uh, eventually, I will probably be launching my own, um, I guess, like either a website or a blog or something sure. like that that people could reach me. Okay. Very cool. The Shepherd Caliber Comics. Roberto, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciate it. Have a great rest of your expo. Okay. Thank you very much. So we are back, and that was Roberto Molinari, uh, one of the, the co-writers of The Shepherd. Yeah. Dun, also, dun, you heard dun. him, like, also... Both he and actually Andrea have also uh, sort of co-headed like editorial duties on that, and it's it's really cool yeah. to hear about how they work together and collaborate on that. I really like also that that you know Andrea was like this was the my dream was the focus of book one, right? And then mm-hmm. they're like, all right, here's the second story arc, and they talked about that. And then Roberto's like, oh, I'm already I'm already all over the third story arc, and his yep. dad's just more like editing, and it's like it's cool to see the shift in the transition to where Roberto now feels like, no, I got this. I know the characters. I know the world. We've built it out. I feel confident. I know where I want to take the story. And Andrea's like, okay. Yeah. And, and hearing sort of about like Galan, you actually mentioned this when you were uh, foreshadowing this episode last week, but just hearing about his future ambitions and plans and part, part of that being that him and his father have already talked about like, Look, as long as we write the shepherd, that's going to be something we collaborate on. But yeah. you know, then they're also going to do you know work individually apart, which is, is cool. And I think it's really interesting where you you know had he not pushed his father, he may not have have gained that entrepreneurial drive to do his own thing to pursue his projects. It's you know, in in an alternate universe Earth, 
um, Andreas doesn't pursue it. He does, you know, the, the right. Roberto doesn't push him, and they don't have all these opportunities. And his life goes in a very different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now they, you know, they tour the country. They support the um, they support Caliber Comics and the Shepherd uh, at different fan expos. Um, different all, comic cons, yeah, different right. comic cons, and um, all because he pushed his dad to do this and was relentless. To get his dad to to do the story, which by the way, there's a great forward in the Shepherd where uh, Andrea talks about that, about mm-hmm. how at each stage he's like, "Cool, I'm done with that," yeah. and Roberto keeps being like, "No, you're not." <laughs> so make sure you pick up the Shepherd. Uh, you can pick it up from Amazon or your local comic book store. Yep. Uh, just go and, and ask them to order it for you, uh, or you know, find these guys on Facebook and talk yep. to them and yep. find yep. out yeah, how you sure. can get it. Go and to I think Col- you can also, comics. yeah, and I think you can also go to calibercomics.com c-a-l-i-b-e-r comics.com in order to uh buy it they retweeted some of our tweets when we were featuring them actually on social media so uh i kind of did some digging i'm 99 sure you can buy it on calibercomics.com as an an additional that is a high caliber suggestion it's not even the dad (laughs) joke segment yet (laughs) that's a bonus (laughs) it's a bonus bonus dadism you're right but before we get to the dad joke section that's right we have and in uh, a, a, a we caught a wild John Servation. So with that, I bring you John. Yeah, that's right. Go on, mention John Servations, which is the way he has segment music. He's he's brand. It's been a while since we had one of these, but yeah. it's basically any time I feel like coming on here and ranting about something that has to do with fatherhood or being a parent. Uh, Galan has branded that a John Servation. Yeah. So very appropriately, I might. I mean, add. it could be a job Servation, but then it's just a little bit of con- the confusion there. So it's a John Servation. Like Let it. me start by posing this one simple question that I don't want you guys to answer just yet until after I've given you this story. Okay. But here's the question, dads that are on the show, Joe and Galan. Do you ever see something happen with another child that is not your own that makes you want to jump in and parent that situation? And mm. here's what happened. Me and some friends uh, get together on a regular basis to play some games. Sure. And... One of those friends is a girl. One of those friends is a dad and his son. Now, his son is early teenager, 13. Mm-hmm. And so, so as you can imagine, with most kids, they're not always completely socially aware. They say things trying to joke that end up being rude or annoying or inappropriate. Sure. Uh, and when they do that, it should be your job as a parent to step in and correct that and, and I'll, so I'll tell you what happened, and then I'll tell you how I would have handled it, and then I want you to answer that question I posed to you guys at the beginning of this. We're playing this game. My friend that plays with us that is, is female, she has a nose ring, and it's one of those that's like in the middle of the nose or, or whatever, if you can picture that. Oh, like okay. a septum piercing. Yeah, like a septum piercing, absolutely. And uh, he said at one point, somehow that got brought up, and the 13-year-old says, uh, hey, that makes you look like a bull. And we were like, hey, that's not good. And he's like, okay, fine. That makes you look like a cow. Ooh. <laughs> I wouldn't now, laugh at yeah, the table. Yeah. So his dad <laughs> says, hey, stop that. And he, so the kid says, okay. And that's it. That's it? 
That's it. And and so like me and my brother was there and we look at our friend that's the girl and we're all like giving each other a look like what the heck was that? That was yeah. like super rude out of nowhere. And yeah. then it wasn't like handled correctly. I wanted to jump in right at that moment, even though I wasn't that kid's dad, and take that opportunity to explain like, look, it is always disrespectful to refer to a woman as a cow right and like that first first yeah, yeah. first <laughs> and then this is our friend and you shouldn't say that i know maybe you didn't intend to to be rude because you right. were just trying to joke and like right. sure like you see a ring in, in someone's nose and you, or like you know it's like in all the cartoons you see sure. a freaking yeah, ring yeah. in a bull's nose or whatever right. but what you said was inappropriate and even if you didn't intend for it to be you need to apologize to her right now right that didn't happen and it was really awkward to continue the game just pretending like that didn't happen yeah, when I feel like route. the parent, he stopped it right. from progressing, but he didn't take the opportunity to explain why it was rude and yeah. how he should have resolved it, which right. is to apologize right right there. Now, I, w- I will say before I get into how I'd react there, I guess, do you know whether that was addressed after the fact? Because if, you, if he had stopped and addressed it right then, that would that could have made the child feel even more uh, more awkward after getting reprimanded? Uh, so so the answer to that question is I do not know if it was addressed afterwards. I have, I have no idea. But as far as making the child feel awkward, I feel like I could, an- I could do it in a situation. I mean, the kid's already been called out. Right. So he already feels yeah. potentially embarrassed right there. Right. I think at that point what I would do and what I wanted to do right there is not be a, a jerk to the kid, but to say, look, this is why that wasn't appropriate, and this is why you should apologize right now. Just go ahead and apologize. And, okay, cool. We smooth. I, I feel like there's a way to, like, correct yeah. in that moment without making, like, adding more psychic damage to the kid or something. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is as an adult, you, you would rationalize it that way. But as a teenager, I think that their their minds don't always – interpret things the way that our minds do no no for sure for and, sure. and so I, I think that you do have the opportunity of however you correct it whatever your tone of voice they're they're basically like okay i'm already beaten down and you're going to continue hammering that point home so if, okay but the counterpoint to that is your only obligation in that moment is not just to the kid you no no just I, have I, an yeah. obligation to that kid no no you, and you right. have an obligation to t- you have a perfect opportunity right. to teach that kid how to fix that so, situation that you chose not to take yeah, yeah. and and for me i'm which a parent, in my opinion is negligence i'm a i'm a parent and private person so let's say hypothetically that ellie is a 13 year old that makes that comment Ellie, I will make sure that she apologizes to that person, and I will explain why after the fact. You could do that, but so, that didn't even happen there. So you know, well, I know, I know. I'm saying that that is that's how I would have handled that if it were my child. Like as for parenting someone else's, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I think it, it, if if it's a relationship, if it's a situation like that where you're friends with someone, then maybe you have the relationship to be like, 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 what the heck? Like that person needs to like they need to apologize. So I think Golan brings up some good points, and I like that. Um, I think yeah, – You didn't expect that, did you? You didn't expect all sensitive Golan to come out there. No, I like it. No, no. You, you come out you every, every once in a quarter. No. Yeah, because <laughs> normally my, my first response is to take the kid and beat the shit out of him in the corner. Right. No. Um, Not really. Uh, I wouldn't do that. So I, I have two points to this, right? One, how I would handle it as a kid. As a, wow, no. As a dad <laughs> of – like if, my, if that was my kid, one. And then if that was not my kid. Um, and this is like having a three-year-old and a nine-month-old. So, like, things change, right? 
but yeah, you may feel differently in ten years, right? Maybe, when that's your kid. <laughs> but if that was my, if that was Sylvie or Bennett, like depending on who, whoever it was, and they said that, my first response to them would be, as it is to, well, Bennett's nine months, so he's not really spouting off words, but Sylvie does, uh, and is rude <laughs> every now and then. My response to them at thirteen or fifteen or whatever would be the same as my response to them th- now is like. Hey, that was super rude. This is why it was rude because you disrespected them. You made them feel uh, like you made you you were rude to them. That's why I start with you were rude to them. You're rude to them because you made them feel bad. You made them feel disrespected because you called you compared them to an animal, and that's not how we treat our friends. That's not right. how we treat anybody, but that's definitely not how we treat our friends. And I would leave it at that. And I would let I always like to let that marinate, and then I wait a minute. And wait then a minute, and then I follow back Hashtag up. Hashtag wait a minute. Right, wait, wait a minute. Said wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> Hashtag wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sorry, I think my be- mind is on my child. Wait a minute. But but so anyways, but, but you wait I a minute. Wait a minute, and I follow up with you need to apologize. You understand what happened. You need to apologize because I know you feel bad. I know you don't want to apologize. But they also feel bad, and you need to let them know that you feel sorry for what you did. You understand what you did, and you're going to try and not do it again. So that's how I would handle it. Like, call them out first, and then not demand an apology right off the bat. Because I feel like, like to Kalan's point, if you demand an apology like right off the bat, like it's going to be disingenuous because they're a teenager, and like their mind is more like you're attacking me, my personal space. So, but like, call them out on like all of it, then leave it, then come back for an apology. If that's my kid, if it's not my kid and I see that happening, my gut reaction is to say, whoa, that was super rude. I can't help myself. I've got a mouth sometimes that I can't stop. But I do say like, whoa, that was super rude. And I let that marinate. And then I feel like if the parent doesn't follow up, then if I'm good enough friends with the parent, I would go, I kind of feel like they should apologize. If I'm not good enough friends with the parent, I don't follow up with them. But I would voice something so it's not just like a... Like a stop. Like that doesn't, that doesn't, like that stops the words, but that doesn't stop like the intent behind it. And, and right. see, I, I think it's, point. I think it's, I think you handle it. Like if Ellie were to do that now at five, I have, I stop down and I have that conversation because that's, she has a personality, but she's not acting like an individual now. It's, it's different. I, I think acting as a, with a personality and being an individual are two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that in that situation, it's more damaging to them as an individual because they, they, they can interpret, they can rationalize, they can, even if it's, ir- even if they're rationalizing incorrectly, they have a thought process and teenagers, you know, it's, it's a battle. It's a conversation where I would take my friend aside after the fact and be like, look, I'm really sorry that this happened. This is what I've done to correct it. These are the steps that I've taken. It will not happen again because, you know, they understand. But I, I, I think that our viewpoints as parents of toddlers and, and young children is different because, you know, and, and, and you very well may in 10 years, you may handle it exactly the same way. Right. But as as kids develop, as especially as teenagers, as personalities become individualities, you know, and and make that morph, you know, from these occasional things to defining who they are. That could, you know, potentially be. And you have the social. Un- See, that's interesting. I completely disagree with you. Like, I would not wait. 
I would address it right there, and then if if they had an adverse reaction to that, I'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, step away, you're out. Yeah, I, I would not. I would and not there, let that be grounds, because there's grounds for that too. Because to your point, you have to consider the person who's being yeah called out, and, and like, to like me, the person who's being victimized, for lack of a better word. To me, yeah. yeah. In, in in that moment, my concern is not the feelings of the perpetrator. Right. Yeah. It, it is. It yeah. is my responsibility as a parent to say. This is how you screwed up, and this is how you fix it. Right. Because I'm also concerned about this other person that you've heard. Because yeah, you want this to be, and I feel like if, if I space, I would feel like if I didn't do that, then I, I was like wronging my child by not as as a child who had a who has been on the humiliation side of things. Okay, fair. Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I, I hear. I, what I have saying. a. I mean, and that's something that, that really you and I haven't talked about. I mean, a whole lot is because it's it's something that I don't necessarily always think about, but I. Especially when there was alcohol fueling it or drugs fueling it, where it's I, sure. I was on the I was on the the receiving side of yeah. I did something and they brought the hammer down and I mean yeah I mean I understand what you're saying there and I understand yeah. where you're coming from and I absolutely agree with that I think I think as as though a person that's sitting there sober and rational if you can be rational having rational mm-hmm. thoughts as a dad I think there's a respectful way you could explain it to your child other than just stop. Yeah, yeah, other than just like you're stupid, you messed up, right. or like everybody look at this, how stupid this was. I think there's a way to respectfully use it as a learning yeah. situation and get it resolved. And right. and and up to that, I think that your kid, even if you think it's this is the way that it is, your kid will, can interpret it as, "Wow, well, you're really stupid for doing this." And you sure. and and I think you owe your sure. kid and that as much. Teenagers are likely to do that regardless of what you yeah. do. Right. But I, I, I think also it's one of those. I'm it, not looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's one it. of those things where <laughs> your, your perspective, because I used to be like that before I had kids. I, I was the same thing. I'm like, no, you take care of it right then and there. And I think that as I've parented and I've had to consider that, with all things considered, um, it, it 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 changes when you're in the moment. You know, and as someone that's as hard ass as I am, and, and that comes down on Ellie sometimes, where she cries because of the way that I drive up points home. I think with a teenager, it's it's just, it's it's very different. Um, well, interesting. I guess I guess we'll find out, right? So I, when I I'm like- paying the prison fees for hosting <laughs> Ellie because you couldn't tell her to say sorry. Yep. Yep. No. I'm so just uh, yeah. When we no. when we die, she's yours. I think I think this And then I'll call her out. Yes, you then call her out. You know what's interesting? Like total side note, right? Like we don't have godparents, but we have like people that would take care of our kids if we died. Yeah. So like I don't feel comfortable right. revealing that. Like not air. a fi- Oh, oh. But yeah. like well, so we were going to do godparents, but then mm-hmm. we felt like I don't know, we looked into it and we felt like there was like more to it than I don't know. We did it legally and we didn't use the term godparents cuz sure. for whatever reason I don't know. We just didn't. But it's like we have godparents without. Because that term them. sounds too cool. Well, it, I felt I heard John Laird was a godparent, and I, and went, I like, can't. I can't what? think of you anybody like, else that would be what? as cool. John is the godfather. Oh, I thought, you, were of say, I thought you, yeah. you, you heard I was a godfather, and you were like, "That's a low bar." <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like I can't top that. So why try? I'll just put it in legal writing, and then like uh, you know. So he won't Let top John that. Be but the Godfather of Godfathers. He sure. won't top that, but he'll one up me. You son of a bitch. <laughs> no, no, it, it, no, it, it's no, interesting. But I feel it, like we had good uh, perspectives on this. I, right? I think that 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 itself could have been an entire 
like ep- dedicated yeah. episode. That, that's a very interesting ask for that situation. Well, yeah. thank you guys. Well done on thank you. you. Now, now, we'll say to, to add to that, there have been times in stores where kids do shitty things, and I've been like, you need to put that back. Like, I have no problem. And if parents have a problem, then I'm like, you need to parent. Yeah, Galan. Like, you need to not be over looking at clothes. You need to be looking at your kid. Galan being Galan. Yeah. Is able to do when that. You're, when you're I'm six. Like, hey. And they're like, yes. When you're six foot tall. Sir. Six foot two and a fat <laughs> ass that looks like he was just angry with the world, people tend to not give you too much shit. I feel like That's if true. you were a bouncer in any club or concert I went into, I wouldn't have gotten into most of the stuff. I, I got dude, into. I bruise like a peach. I'm push over. Right, but like. I don't before really I like knew you, when I started yeah. working with you, before I knew you for like three years, when I was working with you, I'm like, this guy hates me, and I'm like, oh, this guy loves me. I'm cool. Well, at some point, you became knowledgeable. Right, right. right. At some right. point. At some point. All right, guys. So now we're going to move on to America's favorite ooh, episode, ooh. Dad Joke of the Week. Yes, I have one for us, guys. Go for it. Fire. We may have used this before, but we've covered this uh, before. Uh, part of uh, being a dad joke is. Uh, a joke that you just like repeat constantly right anyway. so right. uh do you guys know that in democracy it's your vote that counts and in feudalism it's your count that votes <laughs> <laughs> uh john did you know when you have a bladder infection you're in trouble you're in trouble you know i like it i like it <laughs> yeah every time i back up the car i like to tell my family ah oh, this takes me back Dude, that's a legit dad joke. <laughs> that is something. That is like the definition of a dumb dad joke that a dad oh, would say every time he yeah. backed up a car. Oh man, I was that's in a. Awesome. So this is not. This is most people are not going to get this. But I was. I'm in a group chat, right? And uh, um, there's uh, this one guy came in and was like, uh, "What's up, though? Like, what's going on? Like, what's yeah. up?" And there's a Fat Joe song called all the way up and i said i just responded like fat joe but he's all the way up and then like that was it that's all i said and he was like it's too early for dad jokes <laughs> that's awesome so for those that listen that get that enjoy but that was not the official dad joke go on brought in the hammer with the this takes me back i liked yeah. it all right so uh guys <clears throat> there's also another game we like to play at the end of each episode it's called the hashtag game where That's we right. vote on what should be the official dad joke of this episode of the detox no nope. ha- no official <laughs> hashtag nope you've had too many revolvers i may have <laughs> no I'm just kidding. it's where we vote on what should be the official hashtag for this episode of the yes. detox podcast We're what did pussy. i say before that official <laughs> official <laughs> dad episode. joke the episode of the dad joke no, you said the official dad joke of the episode and we're like we already did that we already did that all right all right so enough. i've got hashtag pirated intro hashtag high caliber suggestion that's me and hashtag wait a minute <laughs> I, I i gotta vote for wait a minute <laughs> I'm going hashtag wait a minute. All right, let's do it. All right, hashtag we are you. Wait a minute. No, the most. You're welcome, Bennett. When you listen to this, when you're an embarrassed 13 year old and you when can't we're on stand me episode like uh, 1000 or something. Yeah, and we'll you see. go back and you're like, why is my dad such a butt? Right. <laughs> <And then> when <laughs> he's got that thought in his mind. Yeah. When he's 13 and you've called him out for calling a woman a cow. Right. Like, hey. So you stop uh, that. Joe, actually, guys, oh, yes. right now we have an official contest going on on the Detox Facebook page. That is right. So Think Fun is a company. They do games for kids that promote STEM, uh, engineering, hacking, coding, 
a bunch of different skills that you want your kids to have in order to be successful hacking? in life. I think it's actually just coding. They have a game it's called <laughs> They have a game called Hacker they that pr- promotes coding. So they I probably don't promote hacking. hacking. They don't promote hacking. They promote coding, but the game is called Hacker and it's a coding based game. Anyways, so there's a game called Laser Chess that they are doing a giveaway of. Uh, it's 39.99 on Amazon at your local toy stores. It is a two-player strategy game that combines spatial thinking skills of chess with the high-tech fun of laser beams. You alternate turns, moving your mirrored pieces around the board, and at the end of each turn, you fire a real s- certified laser. Certified by the Laser Board of America. <laughs> yes. And uh, it bounces from mirror to mirror. If it strikes a non-mirrored surface of any piece, it's removed from play. If you illuminate your opponent's king, you win. A Mensa select winner and earned a parent-test-to-parent-approved top pick at Toy Fair 2018. Laser Chess is available, but if you like our Facebook page by the end of May, you're automatically entered into a free giveaway by Think Fun For a copy of Laser Chess, and what that also means is you may be thinking, hey, I've already liked your page in the mm-hmm. past. Well, guess what? You're automatically entered, that and you're correct. eligible to win a co- your very own copy of Laser Chess as well to play with your kids. And I'll tell you, there's nothing cooler for a kid to play with than lasers. Yes. <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. So <laughs> like, that's, I mean, it's just like, it's awesome, got lasers right? in it, man. Yeah, yeah. It sells itself, right? That's right. So check it out. And, and, uh, and like don't Joe look has directly into it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what, like Joe mentioned before, uh, even if you don't win, you guys can pick this up at Amazon um, or wherever Think Fun games are sold. That's and right. it will be totally fun for you to play with your kid. That's right. Go now, on. Speaking of checking out, if yes. you go to detoxpodcast.com, uh-huh. that's DL. There, there. DT. Oh, man, it was oh, going so well. You were so, so good. good. I know, I know. Until then. You were all about the transition. Yeah, it's all about the going to Detox Podcast. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you'll find a link to our Patreon, where for 2 bucks a month, you can get access to all of the bonus content that we do. Um, and you can listen to us on Vocal Now. That's V-O-K-A-L-Now.com. Or download the Vocal app in your respective app store. You can listen to us on iTunes, um, Google Play, or Spotify. So be sure to check us out on the go without any downloads. That's right. Streaming, baby. That's, right. That's the future. You also find a, a link there to our Patreon, which has bonus content for every episode, as well as some free content you can listen to. Well, not to. every episode, but we try to do a, quite a few episodes. We do our that's best. We're working on something pretty cool that's going to be rolling out um, at some point this summer. Soon. Yep, and yeah. that 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 may or may not be free. So you don't yeah, need maybe you don't free. need you don't need memory foam money to it's follow us on Patreon, and might. you sure as hell don't need it if we make it for free. That's, that's right. right. And I there is free there is free content on there. There was one episode we did an interview with Charlie Herschel from Survivor, that's right. and we put that out there uh, for free, so that way you can get kind of a taste of uh, what we do. That's right. Uh, also, I just once again I want to say thank you to Andrea and Roberto for uh, coming onto the podcast and talking about their work with the Shepherd guys. I highly recommend the Shepherd. Uh, and if you if you haven't gotten it yet, make sure to hit up your local store, get a copy of that graphic novel or Amazon or Caliber Comics. Uh, it's it's really worth it. It's really cool. And they let us in. Uh, as you guys have heard, if you've listened to the interviews on uh, some of the main themes from the second chapter as well. So we're really anticipating uh, the release of that soon as well. So make sure to like them on Facebook so that you are uh, get up to the date information on when that release 
Thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we love the feedback that we get. So if you have a story that needs to be told or you know of another dad that has a story that needs to be told, make sure you hit us up at detoxpodcast.com, like Galan said, or on our social media, and let us know because we would love to talk to you. We will be back next week with yet another interview with someone that we talked to at the Dallas Fan Expo. We talked to a lot of cool people, and, and we have those interviews, uh, those conversations still to come for you guys. So make sure you tune in and until there until until there (laughs) and until there and until there when we get there next week (laughs) no until then hashtag wait a minute and hashtag be a better day special thanks to john and eddie for supporting the podcast thanks so much guys detox is a production of vocal for more information and more programming please visit vocalnow.com that's v-o-k-a-l-now.com